0: So I, I have something on my website, I've got a banner on one of my pages that says, magical thinking is highly strategic.
1: Wow. I think we've found your your zone here.
0: <laughs> that's that's who I am. I mean, as a person, for sure.
1: Wow, magical thinking is highly strategic. So you got to unpack that for everybody a little bit.
0: So for sure, I mean, I, I'm like, where do I start? There's so much to this topic.
2: Where do we start? We start where we are. And we're at the beginning. Of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast on the Be Here Now Network. This is episode number 22, Thinking Magically is Highly Strategic, with special guest Chris-Ann Donnelly. In this episode, David is in conversation with Chris-Ann, who embodies creativity, spirituality, and right livelihood in a myriad of ways. As you'll hear, she is a creator of tarot and oracle decks... A design and marketing strategist who helms her own company, Pixel Brand, and she also offers unique courses for creators that combine marketing, manifestation, and intuition. Chris, and David are meeting each other for the first time here, and you can hear them warming into the conversation. I strongly encourage you to stick with this one as it goes to some really compelling and surprising places, including archetypes, branding and magic, multiple timelines, and even Al Gore. Enjoy.
1: So, Chrisanne, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure and a delight to have you here.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me. Same, I'm I'm super excited to be here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, we tend to uh, move around a little bit in this podcast, but it looks like you're already moving around among the topics that we're sort of trying to integrate. So, in a nutshell, it's the idea of um, spiritual practice and. Uh, what, however you define that, and then the creative expression, and then the um, business dimension or the um, prosperity aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. How do they work together? Uh, so feel free to jump around through those topics. I'll tell you right away, there's a word in there that I wanted to ask you about. Is that okay? Absolutely. Um, the word is muse. mm. Are you in touch with the muse? <laughs> yes.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I mean, the muse is my, um, it's, it's so funny because I have, I mean, I have this, the muse tarot. And when I first did that independently before it was published through Hay House, it came with this sort of poet, like the whole guidebook was poetry and everything was, it felt like it was, um, a, very distinct type of creativity that was beyond myself right it was outside of myself so that's what feels like the muse to me where it's this kind of creative juice this beautiful energy that it hits me like it's almost like running into a wall and there's nothing that you can you can say yes or no in that moment and if you say yes and you go then it's just like it's like the floodgates open and the ideas and the images and the words they just i can't even keep up it's like my fingers are just <laughs> uh, uh, uh.
1: so you said it now, some it. people—is it—is do you feel it's gender fluid, the muse?
0: I love that question, and um, I think I say it because I'm—I don't have this sense. Like, it's funny because when I'll write about the muse, I may say she or her because it's such a traditional way of looking at the muse, right? Mm-hmm. Or the muses. I say the muse and not the muses because I feel like it's one energy, and then oh, that it okay. energy for me. It's not like I get like different muses and you know a muse of, that brings me poetry and one that it just feels like one and the same. So I mm-hmm. I do refer to it as it because it's so also connected to you know my whole paradigm the 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 universe the you know goddess god creation creativity. I feel like it's sort of this spiraling. This is really hard for me to even explain because I'm trying to bring you into my brain here for a second, but Uh I feel like it's this spiraling energy that, um, it shows up in different ways. So I say it just because of that, because sometimes it feels a little bit different, but it's still coming from the same source.
1: Yeah. So it's some kind of source area.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. For a certain kind of energy.
0: Mm-hmm. And it does feel like it's something that I've asked a lot of creatives, yeah. you know, does is, you know, is your creativity inside of you or is it outside of you? Mm-hmm. And there, you know, and the the answers are as varied as the number of people that we ask. You know, a yeah. lot of people feel like the creativity happens inside of them, even if they're inspired from without. But for for me, I really do feel like I am just. Um, a very practiced conduit, you know. Like I've got, I've, I'm almost like Photoshop by proxy. I've got the skill set that is needed mm-hmm, to bring certain things into into form. Yeah. But so I do feel like there, it's without. Is there an
1: know? element that's similar to what people would think of as oracular or oracle or channeling? Is there some quality that you find similar to that?
0: I think so. And I say, I think, so it's like years and years of doing this and there's still, you know, cause some people would, would see the channeling as being like when some people channel, they don't have that. It's almost like their whole consciousness is turned, like they're, they're not conscious of the whole process, right? The, it's just they happening. They leave the building. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so it's not like that for not me like because that. I okay. am here, I'm mm-hmm. witnessing it
1: mm-hmm. and I am
0: making some critical decisions about the output But the idea and the words to like when I was doing the the Muse Tarot, the images just kind of showed up. And as they were showing up and I was doing the art, the poetry was coming. So it's like I need to record and be on my computer Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the same time as I'm creating the artwork. Um, So, I mean, it's definitely a sense there is that oracular sensation where things are coming in through from the top down. I feel like it's coming down through the top of my Mm -hmm. head, out Mm -hmm. through my hands, but I am present.
1: Yeah, I've always been very interested in oracle uh, process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, um, in the Tibetan Buddhist world that I come from, uh, there is a tradition of oracles. Mm -hmm. Are are you aware of that at all? Do you know? I
0: I don't know a lot about the details, but yes. Well, for (laughs)
1: example, the Dalai Lama... Has an oracle, uh, a human being who channels a particular entity that's been for hundreds of years, and each generation they raise a new monk to, to uh, channel. Uh, it's called Neichung, Neichung Oracle. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, there's there's videos of it happening, and uh, I've met that oracle, which was a very interesting conversation. He's a very lovely man. He he doesn't cons- consider himself to be particularly gifted or insightful or a teacher himself but I did have the opportunity to talk to him for a couple hours once about the process uh and there is a sense that he's he you'll see it if you watch the video he vacates they mm-hmm. put this uh outrageous headdress on him you know the, that's weighs mm-hmm. um 60 or 70 pounds I'm told he dances around him and then he starts to hiss and he he's pretty much gone he describes it. As he's he's sort of nearby, but he's he's not you know driving the car. And then the the Dalai Lama can ask the oracle certain questions, you know. And supposedly the oracle is the one who told him exactly when to leave Tibet to escape. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are other oracles l- like that. And um, and then you have down to the you know the average songwriter like me. <laughs> you go Well, where did that one come from? You know, in the shower or in a dream. So the whole process of, uh, I'm curious how people define the muse. I think you designed, you defined it as a singular energetic source Uh, that, and you said spiraling. So that's interesting. Can you visualize And sometimes in this area, people bring visualization together with the process in order to get, to tune into it more. If you visualize the muse, does, does it have a shape?
0: It's definitely spiral and it's almost like a spiraling tunnel. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, it is something that it's very different than that creativity that, you know, you're sitting there because I worked as a creative, you know, in design and it, like as a graphic designer for years and years. And it's such a different sensation than like, okay, I'm sitting in front of this material and I need to create something and now I need to kickstart my creativity and I'm there and I'm like prodding it along. It's such a different sensation than this, this like. It feels like I am sending my consciousness outside of myself, a little bit above my head, a little mm-hmm. bit up into the ethers, and then there's this spiraling downward sensation. Or me move? It's am I moving into the tunnel? Is the tunnel moving into me? I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. And this this but is it, an actual experience that you have. Yes. And within yeah. a, an actual time frame, right? In other words, this is. It seems yeah. you could go in there at 4.10 and come out at 4.20 p.m. And, and it would be have a For finite sure. sort of parameter to it like that.
0: Um, that's a really good question. So usually the state in a way, and I it almost feels, um, it does feel like a state.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it feels like hmm, the words here such such an amazingly profound question how do we put words to these sorts of experiences so it does feel like I'm in like an altered state for sure but Mm -hmm. I've never put myself on a timer for that state because I've always sort of felt like the muse energy feels like an opportunity and a gift and so when it's there I jump and when it's done it's done yeah. But I don't really have that kind of control over the timing of it. Right. So there have been moments in my life where, you know, I'm working on something that, that comes in this way, very few projects actually, and they come so fast and so furious, but then I am run ragged by the time we're finished because I am just doing, it's not the same as a regular project where, you know, you're, you have a work day and you have your weekends off, you know, sometimes this, you know, if this energy lasts for a month and I'm in it for a month, then it is like an, it's like an obsession because it's just a, mm, I'm just saying yes to it. Yeah. And I'm like, just like the, like the by proxy artist, you know,
3: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you know, just being the, the hands. It's an interesting state for sure. And it's quite different than when it does feel different than. Let's say I'm reading tarot for someone and I'm getting really different type of information or an intuitive type of information where I'm just getting words and they mean nothing to me. And I just say them that feels so different because I know in that moment that I'm like, I have no idea what I'm saying, but they're like, this is really like, they're shaking their head and they understand. Whereas in this case, I'm getting this information and I'm the one shaking my head and I understand.
1: Mm. And, and, (laughs) and then there's post muse. Yes. And what are you supposed to do with the news from the muse uh, in, <laughs> in, in, the, in the aftermath? You're, uh, you're a marketing person.
0: I have. Yeah, I've worked in branding and marketing.
1: And you don't do that work anymore?
0: No. I work once in a while for very mm-hmm. the right client, if it's the right fit, and it has to be 100% yes, like in my system, in their system. I'm ex- as excited for their project as they are sort of thing feels good. It's doing a lot of, you know, the right, I feel like there's going to be really great outcomes in the, in the, either the world or in, you know, a group of people's lives, then for sure um, I'll jump into a project like that, but maybe one project a year, it's not very common anymore. And um, it just, I mean, I worked for 15, 20 years doing uh, quite a bit of work that didn't feel good in my system. So I mm-hmm. have that, you know, very clear, like mm, this, this is, this is not going to make me feel inspired. It's not going to be good because then I end up putting my creative energy into something that doesn't inspire me. And then I don't have any leftover. It's almost like creativity is this, when you're on it, it'll give you more, you know? So when I'm doing work that I'm inspired to do, then there's hundreds of potential projects at my doorstep. And if I'm doing work that really leaves me feeling uninspired and tired, and I, you know, do not want to sit down at my desk to work, then there, there are no projects there as potential. And it's probably because of my own mind, like my own mindset in in that moment. But I just know myself enough to know that if I'm not inspired, then there's almost like there's going to be a, a full stop. And whether Mm -hmm. that means the work has dried up or whether that means I am just tired and burnt out and I maybe even get sick and I need a break, like there, there are consequences to me if I do not follow the creative path that feels right in my body. Because I am someone that's always creating no matter what, so I better be doing something that feels good.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you think um, about what you're going to be doing in three years to five years?
0: Sometimes. Sometimes. I, um, right now, I don't know. I usually have a pretty good long-term plan. <laughs> Uh And to be honest with you, the world is changing so quickly and rapidly right now that as someone who is, you know, I'm creating tools that help people or I'm creating these healing tools or courses or, you know, like like tarot decks are all about people using these tools for their own self-growth or their own intuitive deep dive. And because the world feels a little bit, it's just this big giant question mark right now. I feel like. I'm not sure what we're going to need in a few years. So I feel like I'm not really sure what I'm going to create. Mm-hmm. So I've just finished a big project and now I'm sitting in the space, the very uncomfortable space of what comes next.
1: And what what's the big project that you just finished?
0: Oh, I just did. Um, it's called the Tarot of Curious Creatures. So I just sent in all of my final visual edits to Hayos and that comes out in September. So tarot excited for that. of
1: Curious Creatures.
0: Yes, it's a very different deck for me. I think last year I just needed something that was um, kind of eccentric and bizarre and made me laugh. And so they're human animals, they're human bodies with these human heads. And so it was just really fun. And um, it was a beautiful way for me to just move through a lot of the challenging energy and still be creating and still be connected to something that was, and it had to be almost totally different to cap, to capture my interest or to, you know, to pull me away from the news.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the deck goes out, who buys the deck?
0: Um, do you mean like in the general population, like the types of people that would buy it or
1: what, what kind of people are you hoping (laughs) would go buy that deck or, or who actually does go buy that deck? What are they, what are they looking for? What are they, um, doing with the deck?
0: I think every deck that I've done is so different that, you know, they really are, each one is, is it has its own sort of energy and its own, I have my, I have hope for each one in a little bit of a different way. So sometimes like with sacred creators, it's someone who is a, a business owner or they're growing something or they have a goal. And so they use the deck in that way. And with light seers, it's much more healing or there are people who are, you know, just curious about getting in touch with their own intuition. And so they're, they're learning tarot or they're um they're curious about their path or their own inner it's like it's a lot of inner healing the messages from that deck the muse is of course much more inspiration creativity and then this new one is really um what i hope and i mean my fingers are crossed here because i don't have i don't know for sure (laughs) Uh but i suspect that the people who buy it will be There will be some people who are um, looking to learn tarot or they are already readers and they want something that's a little bit silly or a little bit fun. Okay. Or they're, you know, they're looking to explore some of these more profound messages with just, there's a, there's, there's a certain amount of levity with the deck. And um, the other thing that I've created in this particular deck, that's different. The other thing that I added to it was there's a border on the cards And I want people to imagine that border sort of has a doorway or a gateway or a portal. And so there are creature conversations connected to each card so that people will be able to have, after they pull the card and read the information, you know, we get a little bit of information from those guidebooks, but most of the great, useful information, all the meaning, of course, comes from the person who asked the question. The reader just says things and it's the person who's listening. That puts the message together with their own intuition, with their own creativity, with their own experience. So I think, you know, it's the onus is always on the reader or the the person getting the message.
1: So somebody buys the deck and they become the reader for somebody else?
0: They could. Or did they they read it for themselves,
1: for their own? They could read
0: it both, depending on how they want to, depending on how they want to use the the deck for sure. But in this case, there are these creature conversations and I want people to imagine, especially people that are reading for themselves who want to go deeper. And they just, they're like, I kind of get that, but I want a lot more information. I want them to be able to have these conversations with the animal that's on the deck. So they could imagine the animal crossing through that border and then just have the mind's eye. Let's sit down, let, let's chat about this topic. You know, The question that I came to you with, like, let, tell me a little bit more. So there's and, conversation starters,
1: and these these entities or creatures that are manifesting somehow know more about it than we do.
0: Um, not necessarily. Uh-huh. I think that depends on perspective and depends on the you know the how the how the person who's using the cards views the world. Uh-huh. Because some people will see it as an actual presence that may know more than than they do. My personal take on it for me is that. I would imagine or I would manifest this idea of this entity and that is still coming from me or my higher self, Uh or it's still connected to source where I am just not able to, for whatever reason, my own history, my own experience, I'm not able to tell myself that and believe it. But Uh if I hear it from the outside coming in, I will take that as truth.
1: Uh, So it's a projection.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. in in my worldview. Yes. Yeah.
1: Wow. And other people would think it's more tapping into something that's part of the larger ecosystem, um, that has its own independent basis.
0: They may. Yep. Some people do. Some people definitely, um, work with different, you know, some people work with deity or they work with their guides or they work with, but I personally think that these things do exist, but I think we're all so connected that how are they not a part of us and how are we not a part of them? You know, if are, there is this sense of being one in this collective field of energy, then if there's a, um, a guide that could have amazing information, maybe that guide is just a kind of, it's still connected to this oneness or to me, it's just able to yeah grab that information in a different way.
1: Your view is that you have access to that information yourself.
0: Ultimately ultimately,
1: yes. but this is a kind of uh um you know uh, the image that comes to my mind is somebody goes in, near my apartment in New York there's a a back uh stop there, and people go and play tennis with themselves, and they hit mm-hmm. it and the, the no there's nobody there, but it, the ball comes back to them and they hit it again um, you know so this is of course you know more than just with what you're doing, but with the whole idea of deity whole idea of um, uh, guides, the whole idea Mm -hmm. of people like Hanuman, people like in the, you know, Indian tradition and Tibetan tradition. Do they have independent existence and reality or Mm -hmm. not? And so um, different people have different view on this, you know, that they exist um, in in their own right, in their own. So of course, uh, the Buddhist view is that. Actually, neither they nor you have independent existence, mm-hmm. so um, you can um use the deity practice as a way of understanding more deeply your own lack of independent existence, and then that's a bridge to maybe a um a perspective in which um, the the you don't need that kind of dualistic framework at all. To to have any kind of uh, wisdom dawn, it's just spontaneously arising in the situation. Um, so, but of course, then there are people who, um, you know, you know, in in the Buddhist way, they say the two mistakes that, uh, the two mistaken views are one is that those entities, gods, whatever, exist independently, uh, and it's called theism or eternalism that's one wrong view. But the other wrong view is nihilism, which says they don't exist independently and you don't exist independently. So um, usually people err on one side or the other of that equation. It sounds like you're, you are a middle way person. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I could see it both ways, even if like, I could say for sure that that energy of that deity would exist. And it could also be because we have for so many you know hundreds of thousands of people generations put our energy into the thought form of that deity so it exists uh, in its own way but mm-hmm. it exists but there's a there's a a back and forth there you know
1: so it's got a socio political bank account in a way <laughs> of of a credit line because other Quite- people have invested in, in that perception so to that extent, then the traditional forms may have certain potency that making up new forms wouldn't have.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Quite possible.
1: So what yeah. are the traditional forms of tarot? Are there are there very traditional forms? Where that have existed um, for hundreds of years, like the joker or what is it? The 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 Yeah. Uh...
0: So there are um there's the major arcana and the minor arcana. And I use those in my decks as well. So I'm drawing on the same archetypes. So there are 78 cards in the deck. And so we do have the magician and we have the high priestess and we have the empress and the emperor. And so I do use those same um archetypes. And they, I mean, it works because they're archetypes of our human condition or human right. existence or right. you know, the hero's journey. Right. And that kind of encompasses all mythology and all um all human experiences, or even really, I would even say. I'm like, do I say this? Will I get quoted? But it really does encompass all religions as well. I mean, mm-hmm. because it's the human story. And so uh, there are these sorts of ups, highs and lows. And, um, you know, so yeah. I am drawing on those same archetypes in the, in the decks that I create. But uh-huh. I'm just creating the images of the high priestess, at, you know, in different ways. So, so different oh, I see you're, you're,
1: you're giving different uh, outer form, but exactly. the essence is, is still there. So as far as archetypes go, do you feel each person has sort of some archetypical energy uh, that you could pick up on?
0: Yes, I think not, I can't always pick up on, because I think we're often a blend. I think we often, you know, we have, depending on which part of our story we're living in that given moment where, you know, we we can see ourselves kind of as being very much in this scenario as maybe the cards would show because with the minors in the cards the minors have there are four suits and those four suits they're more about kind of the everyday things that may happen
3: mm-hmm.
0: whereas the majors they're more the major energies so definitely we would maybe lean towards a blend of a few of the majors in our lives and then we can we can play out. I mean, we could have all of them in different places, but we definitely have some that are more that stay with us for longer that we really feel like, Oh yeah, that's me. You know, for some people, it's the hermit or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for others, they may feel like they're, they're, they're always creating and that would be, you know, kind of some magician energy. So. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful. And do you, do you have a feeling for your own archetype?
0: You know, it's, I, hermit and magician, there you have it. Those are the two that okay. came up wow. <laughs> for there you me. Go. Those are, I have a little bit of both of those in me. They show up in different ways at different times for sure.
1: Yeah. Do you tend to be reclusive? That's interesting for a branding, marketing person to be reclusive. Right? That's kind of interesting. I get it. well, there's the magician, right? So you have, you have a, a sort of, it sounds like there's a little bit of a mix of opposites, right?
0: There definitely Definitely, yes. And when I am um when I am heavy in the creative side of things, you know, where I I have this, okay, there's this magician energy happening where I feel like I'm putting together different elements and it's that, you know, pulling on all my everything, all my creative skill set or sometimes learning something completely new, but I tend to be quite um on my own when I'm doing that focused on my own not reaching out not necessarily seeing my friends at that during that time period because I'm just so in the energy of the project and it's it not necessarily I mean that can also be like oh well it's this like really working hard kind of thing sure that happens that productivity side but it's much more about the uh sustaining this um It's like you breathe in this new project, this new energy, this new creativity, and it just, it it needs to come out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, now, when it does come out, and when you come out, obviously there's um, a layer of intersecting with the world in a way that creates value and then comes back to you in the form of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the cover of my book, I actually have a dollar bill, creativity, spirituality, making a buck. Love it. I, I, have, <laughs> I have three figures coming down from, there's a sort of a Tibetan style monastery up in the hills and the three figures are descending from there, assuming that they've done some kind of exploration, some kind of practice one and I guess it's three archetypes if you want to look at it that way. One is um, a, a monk in monk's robes. One is a businesswoman in a sort of business suit type of thing, and the third is a guitar player. Mm-hmm. So these three archetypes are coming down uh, and and descending into the world of actualization, you know, of activity, mm-hmm. re-entering the action. Um, so you come a- into that world, and then I've been really ex- exploring lately with people. The, the notion of intentional livelihood as opposed to kind of really going with the flow, and then you just tap into a vein and it comes out. So, for myself personally, obviously, as a musician and a songwriter, I've been at my least functional times, created the most wealth. Let's just put it that way. You know, um, I've written songs that were like in what only could be described as downtime, uh, hang time. Uh, Playtime. And then all of a sudden that taps into some vein, and then there's a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, return on investment. (laughs) Very high rate of return on investment, you know. So then there's times when you work and you go, I really need to focus the lens here. I need to go talk to these six people. I need to pitch my stuff. I'm sure you went and talked to Hay House. You probably went. I need a I need a uh, you know a publisher for this stuff that I'm doing. I better have my stuff together. I want to think about how much am I going to ask for this project and what you know what percentages I'm going to get. Which of those sounds more familiar <laughs> to you?
0: So a little bit. Uh, so a little bit yes and a little bit no for for um, a few of them actually, which is really cool. My um, with Hay House, I actually. When I created my first deck, I wrote a letter to Hay House, kind of my, I went through their their whole thing, you know, I'm going to write this whole letter and get all the marketing pieces together and demographics for the audience and the whole nine yards, I had the letter and I didn't send it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those stories, right? Where I was like, they're my, that's my publishing company. I have the letter for them. And I think I felt like either it wasn't ready yet. I didn't have the audience that I thought that I would need at the time. It just wasn't, I also had a little bit of, of course, I had that creator sort of enoughness, like, is it good enough? Am I a good enough writer? All the enough questions. And so I didn't send it. And when I did my second Kickstarter, um, actually, my editor, who is the, one of the acquisitions editors there, came to me. And I was like, I have the letter. She's like, oh, the only thing that you need to do is we need this like formal letter from you and I'll send it to you because I have it. It's on my computer. Here you go. (laughs) So that was wonderful. I mean, it was like, it was like kind of, that's a beautiful, magical moment in my life of kind of getting prepared for the moment and then the moment coming. Mm -hmm. But I also do have that very logical part of me that is more... The numbers and and how do we make this work? Uh, I do find, though, with my own money blocks because I've had many in my life, I grew up with a lot of um, negative beliefs around money. Like I grew up in a house where rich people are bad people, and money, you know money is is you don't the, want it
1: the root of all evil,
0: yes, absolutely. and um, and so I had to work through that. So I find even now, after probably 15, 20 years of doing like, not religiously, but definitely doing this money mindset work, I still have to be careful that I'm not overly focused on that. When I'm not overly focused on that, mm-hmm. the creativity runs, the bank account fills, and I'm like, good. And I don't need to know how much is in there because I know we're good. And, um, and then I look and I'm really genuinely surprised and like, awesome. You know, this is fantastic. But if I really focus for me on the, this, this stuff that makes me a little more uncomfortable because I'm not as adept at it. And I feel like, oh, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here. Like I just need to hire people to do that or else I find that I will trip myself up in my mindset, in my energy. And then inevitably I'll make my decisions around my creative projects. Not necessarily that it's such a magical thing, but I will definitely make decisions around my projects from a place of lack. And that will limit what, can happen.
1: Yeah. And did you make the pitch yourself? Did you have an agent? I didn't. You didn't go in with an agent, huh?
0: No, they came with me. And I said, I, so, um, I think I, I know that most people said you need an agent, you need someone to represent, you need a lawyer. And basically I said, I've been an entrepreneur for, you know, I think 15 years at that point. And I had stopped for the last five or six years doing contracts with my clients for branding and design work because I realized that if I relied on the contract and not on my intuitive hit about their type is this a good person do they are this is going to be a good project are we going to work well together and the project went awry or you know I didn't get paid or something happened I wasn't like am I really going to follow through and take that person to court for a Probably not. So I just decided that I would go, this is so a strange, such a strange business decision. But for me to get my energy so mired, it was just, there's so much heaviness around that money piece, the contract piece that I kind of bypass it in a way. And I just started to do these kind of very quick, like we'd sit down, especially, you know, if if it was a local client, sit down. I would do a very simple contract, layman's terms. We both write it out. Yeah. This is what's happening. Sign here. So it wasn't the legal legalese. It was just, you know, very easy peasy handshake kind of thing. And my contracts never felt like nothing had Like I got paid after that. Everything was so much better. People, you know, projects were easy. There was no question about the money. And it,
1: and is that probably- what, you, that's what you did with Hay House?
0: Yep. Well, I mean, I had a contract that they did, but I didn't get a lawyer. I didn't get um, an agent. I just went to Hay House and I said, "Can I have an hour of time with your lawyer?" and I want her to tell me what all of this means in layman's terms.
1: Wow, that's unusual.
0: It is, and it was probably. I mean, people. And if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, Chrisanne, that was the stupidest thing you ever did," and I would say, you can, you you know, you can have that view because I don't think that it's for everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, just it's don't. For just everyone. don't don't write don't write me an email with it.
0: Right. But, Uh, but I mean, but it was for me because then I understood it and I didn't need to wonder if the person that was representing me had a handle on it. And, um, it just made me much more comfortable and much more familiar with the whole thing. And, and it helped, it helped me to just trust that it was the right decision.
1: Yeah. So I think that's kind of an intriguing, you know, I, I love polarity and, uh, I mean, the downside of polarity is disparity, you know, but when you have a nice charge on the two poles and you have, you know, equal amount of magnetic and repulsive force, it can be really the thing that makes the gyroscope spin, you know? So in this case, you have this clearly developed business side That it is you know, it's interesting. It's, um, you are not somebody who's a babe in the woods about, it. and just like, no. you know, there's some musician people that are just like, you know, huh? Where's... Where's the gig, you know? And yet at the same time, you have a kind of magical process, for lack of a better way of describing it, that you that you lean into. And you went into the mouth of the business dragon with your magical process, but with some common sense and saying, let's walk through the contract. You didn't just say, I'll sign it.
0: Of course, of yeah. course, yeah, but absolutely. Of course, there
1: could have been things in there without the training you wouldn't have recognized as giving away, like the the paragraph that I guess you didn't read where they get um, 80% of, um, you know, everything you earn after a certain age, you know, you didn't see that, right? didn't notice that, (laughs) Uh, you know, that you could have missed something by not being a specialist in that area. Uh, But you trusted it. You trust that process more than having an expert come in and, and work on it.
0: I did. And, you know, it also gave me, um, it made it much more easy for me to negotiate the contract Mm -hmm. because I understood exactly what I wanted and what I needed changed. And so that was fantastic because we did, we took probably three months back and forth before I said, yes, even though it was everything that I wanted, it was like, I had the letter for them. Um, I also knew that I knew because I had just, I ran my own Kickstarter with all of my own marketing and we had a thousand people back the project and it was enough of a of a yes from the market that I was like, this is going to be a, a really good product. So right. Right. I knew the marketing, like I had the market research to back that up. Yeah. So I knew that, um, I, I mean, I, I knew I intuited, I hoped, you know, it wasn't like I had my, my crystal ball or anything, but I just felt like it's going to work and this is the best way forward. And I knew that I didn't, I had been at for, um, six months prior doing all of my own, like, like I I did my own manufacturing and worked with a printer in China and had things imported. I, I learned how to import and, um, and learned how to send out thousands of boxes and was just in the process of, okay, do I work with a publishing company or do I work with a fulfillment center? And I knew that I didn't want to be, I knew that I would maximize the amount of I would make more doing it myself, but I wouldn't be able to distribute at the same rate that Hayos could distribute at. Right? So there was a there was a it was impossible for me to. Um, part of my my mantra when I was doing the Light Spheres tarot in my head the whole time when I was doing it it was like let it be healing let it be healing let it be healing and I just kept saying that and so it just went against the whole idea of the project to try and cap it for capital versus like let's just get it out there you know
1: hmm So um, a lot of people out there who listen to these kind of things are themselves creative entrepreneurs. Yeah. We sort of we we're targeted towards um entrepreneurs, we call them, and cultural mm-hmm. creatives. So there's a lot of people who right now are sitting there going, Hmm, this person got a deal with one of the major publishing companies in this arena, is being featured on this uh you know, marketing campaign and getting out there. And she went in and basically did it all herself. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're going to go, well, I don't know how to read a contract. I don't know how to pitch my thing to Hay House. So your style is, you know, um, it's a DIY style, but you connect up with a, with a legitimate, you know, kind of uh, organ- you know, publishing company. So it's a hybrid model in a way.
0: Absol- absolutely. Right? It's an it interesting is. model.
1: And, and um, of course, you know, one dimension of magic is what we call magical thinking. It's just wishing doesn't necessarily make it true. You could yeah. wish for a certain outcome it doesn't necessarily make it true. Another is focusing the mind in a particular way so that that outcome becomes more probable, you know, because you're focused on it. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in magic in this sense? Are there things that happen outside of the predictability of conventional reality?
0: 100% there Whoa. are for me. Could yes, you buy no... could,
1: could you be in two places at once?
0: Um, I think some people probably can. I don't have that capacity, but I think that it's possible.
1: Could you exist in two different times at once? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know these are the things where we tag ourselves in a linear situation right and then the people who have become very comfortable in that linear situation look at the other thing as magical thinking you know (laughs) even they even put their kind of um you know therapeutic model on saying this is what this person's suffering from absolutely And, and then you have the magical people who go these people are stuck in their conventional conceptual mind. But is there a third possibility where you're conventionally adapted? You can function very well. You can, you know, go to, the, you know, which end of the credit card to put into the machine and you, um, you, you know how to use a PayPal account and all that. But yet you at times have experiences that, let's say, jump the fence in terms of uh, what people would consider conventional
0: reality. All the time. This happens oh. to me nonstop. And I think, I, so I, I have something on my website. I've got a banner on one of my pages that says, magical thinking is highly strategic.
1: Wow. I think we've found the, your, your zone here.
0: This, I mean that, that
1: there's For your me, brand, it is. There's your brand right there, isn't
0: it? <laughs> that's That's who I am. I mean, as a person, for sure.
1: Wow. Magical thinking is highly strategic. So you got to unpack that for everybody a little bit. Can you?
0: So for sure. I mean, I... I'm like where do I start? There's so much to this topic. And if we are um if we rely on the things that we see, then that is our reality and then we just keep seeing the same thing every day and uh-huh. we don't allow ourselves to visualize everything else and then our reality, then we're stuck in the in the loop of this is real. Yeah. If we give ourselves the playtime and the permission. It's like, give yourself permission to think magically because then your system gets used to that possibility. And then legitimately legitimate opportunities start to appear. And it's not that they are not there when you're in that linear thinking, it's just, you don't see them because you are, your, your mind is looping on that same box in the, in that same box in that same, this is what I expect to see. And this is therefore I see it. So I think when we open up our creative mindset. It's our ability. It's our potential. We start to think different things. We start to activate different areas of, and who knows if it is actually, you know, I don't know the answer. Is it our consciousness that's then going in and grabbing a piece of potential in the quantum field maybe i don't know all i know is that it works you know and i do this practice where when you were talking about linear time for people who are really cuz i am a time person so i have to kind of
1: i bet you're on time i bet you're very punctual
0: um there are there are times when i'm not but i do now i've been getting i've been so much better at it as i went through my entrepreneurial journey because that okay. was something that as a creative you have to be on time because people assume that you're going to be this like um, flighty creative so uh-huh. for me it was being on time equaled I'm serious about business
1: yeah I see
0: so it's not that I am naturally good at it but I am I'm always constantly aware that that is something that I need to be aware of mm-hmm. you know
3: wow okay. but this
0: linear thing this linear thing that um that I do there and it's is a process that anyone listening I mean give it a try if you are even like think of yourself today and then I will imagine visualize that I am talking to my younger self at like any moment in time that was difficult and I'm like you're going to be okay everything's going to be fine look where we're at like here's the thing like you're you're great
3: Whoa. But then I
0: also imagine that I'm here getting that information from my future self now. Oh, whenever wow. I, wow, so cool. I'm in a difficult moment, I can be like, okay, you know what? What does my future self have to say? And so we're still on this line that our it's like our human mind can't. We, I know that we can be in two places at once, but I can't imagine it any other way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't experience it any other way except for linear. So I sort of have these little hacks that I do that kind of bypass that, what my brain needs. Yeah. And I give myself that multiple timeline thing anyways.
1: So you know? I I do think that we've tapped into a very unique, pers- you know, uh, way you have of looking at this, because we're talking about things, everybody has some kind of pers- perspective on this. So what came to mind when you're talking about, you said, you know, if, if you're used to seeing it a certain way, then you see it that way, and then you're in a loop, which, uh, of course, we Buddhists call that samsara, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a loop, drum loop. But what I thought of immediately was a third eye, which is mm-hmm. something that recurs everywhere. You see it all over the world in different arcane traditions. And there is, obviously, a ganglia nexus up here that is, uh, you know, from any type of medical... Uh, uh, Western medicine, Chinese medicine, there's some kind of nerve nexus there. And then um, whether that is, and many deities are portrayed having that third eye, right? Mm -hmm. And the eye of wisdom, it's called things. So, of course, it could be taken as a metaphor. Okay, you have this third eye, and now you can sort of um, tune into the notion of wisdom, of uh, intuition, whatever you want to call it. Do you believe in any way, on a certain level, that it's just quite a literal thing? Have you ever seen it?
0: You mean a third eye, sort yeah. of?
1: Yeah, you look at somebody and see it.
0: So I don't, I don't see people's third eye, but I do believe that we have this whole other sense that we can access. And I have, I, I often feel like I have like my fingertips just like holding onto the edge of the building, you know, like that idea, like, <laughs> I just have my fingertips <laughs> touching it, you know, and people yeah. say, Oh, you're so intuitive and you gave me all this information. And, and, you know, how did you, how did you know? Right. And I feel like even the most intuitive people right now, we're just on the edge of what that could be.
1: Mm-hmm. You mean as almost as a, a, a evolutionary statement or
0: Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I do think that we are, um, because in my life I've gone from, you know, all of this, all of these beliefs around whether it was money or the way we should be and what we should do in life. And I've kind of said, okay, I'm just like, even just like in my small piece of the piece of reality, how many times, you know, how many Loops have been broken. And I see this amazing expansion afterwards that I can't imagine if we were all brought up in this way of just like be. I just feel like there's definitely, we're in the middle of evolution. I'm going to say it. We are evolving Mm -hmm. right now. And it's Mm -hmm. like this, it's this expansion of consciousness and an expansion of awareness, but it's also an expansion of belief and our ability to tap into our own set of beliefs that work for us, you know, I feel like we, we're, we're starting to have a little more autonomy around that.
1: Well, and there's been, you, you know, there's been a lot written about what you're talking about right now. Um, as, you know, relatively speaking, as a species, are we tapping into something where we're becoming uh, more consciously co-creators of the reality that we seem to be inhabiting? Coming mm-hmm. from a lot of different angles, you know? So um, it sounds like, you're experiencing some shift yourself personally. Is that, would that be fair to say?
0: Absolutely. In the last um, 10 years of my life, things have shifted quite dramatically. And I was always, you know, people that have known me my whole life would always say, well, you were always so creative and this was meant, this was of course, always going to happen that you were going to do all of these things, but it never would have happened had I not made a decision to to say, okay, I'm done with this belief system. I'm going to believe something else.
1: I'm done. Check, please. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, when I did, I did have Alberto Violdo, as we we talked about before we started the podcast, on the podcast. And one thing he said is the virus is the accelerator of human evolution. Now, this is a shaman, experienced shaman talking and it's not just like oh wouldn't this be a cute new, new agey kind of thing to say he's saying for thousands of years the role of the virus in the ecosystem is to accelerate human evolution does that resonate with you do you feel that yourself
0: you know it's totally possible <clears throat> i've been by um... the way
1: excuse me i'm not saying everybody should should step out there and get sick let's yes, be really absolutely. clear about that yes <laughs> no we take care of ourselves just not not that you should get the virus has to inhabit your body in that particular way in order to have it. But it is a global event that's happening right now. and It is shifting everybody's reality all at once. And so in that yeah. sense, it's uh, there may be some kind of dimension to it that is not as simple as just, oh, I caught a cold, you know.
0: Totally. And even if, even if we take the actual um, getting sick out of the equation, I think it's the first time in human history where we have looked at all the different places on the planet and said, Okay, we're kind of the same. You know, cuz prior to this, it was like, oh, it was it was way over there. It wasn't going to hurt me. And now it's like, wait a second, we're a human family. So even that global sense of oneness has shifted in some way that is incredibly powerful.
1: Well, and that's also making some people incredibly paranoid at the same time because they don't want that con- they don't want to recognize that connection. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's for not sure. a convenient. It's You know who is a tremendous um for me, anyhow, uh, source of a very grounded and kind of, uh, uh, but it, uh, somehow, and also very factual based uh, portrait of all this is Al Gore. I know that name didn't expect to come up there, but mm-hmm. there's a book that I keep asking people, did they read it? And it's, um, it's uh, about six drivers of global change. Have you ever seen that book? I forgot the exact title of it. Um,
0: I saw the documentary.
1: The Inconvenient Truth?
0: Oh, that's the one I saw. No, there no, you go. This, <laughs> is,
1: this is quite a bit beyond that in terms of his personal. So among the six drivers are globalization, uh, microbiology, um, and uh, tech advancement in general. And he's looking at these things as how they come together to to basically, essentially create a new reality in which human beings are the sort of co-designers of the ecosystem. You know, we're not just waiting for Godot to come down and fix the thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, and also that maybe a lot of friends that we talked about these kind of things, you know, are looking at this clear manifestation of interdependence becoming... To to recognize interdependence, you have to shrink your sense of self-importance that gets in the way, right? And you have to relax certain aspects of of preservation, you know, that kind of reactive fight or flight mind, um, and and then things start to percolate, and you find your place in the in the in the what I call the banyan the banyan tree experiment, you know, <laughs> it's like a network of 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 communication. So, uh, I. You're not a fortune teller, right? You're not do you sit down with people and sort of help them to see what's going on?
0: So I absolutely do, but not in a fortune teller kind of way. So that's an interesting question because a lot of tarot readers come from a there are the 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 tarot readers that are more they use tarot as a, a tool of divination, I would yeah. say, and there's the other tarot readers that really help people to see their options or see within or to help them to kind of see some clarity you know that's like that's something's very nebulous and let's get really clear so I am much more on the side of you helping other people to get clarity on things that they already that I think they already know they think they don't I think they do
3: Uh
0: versus the in the so it's a different type of intuition both are extremely profound for the person experiencing the reader but I'm not and in I'm not that kind of divination fortune teller kind of thing. Although I do get hits on things for sure. Like my mm-hmm. I'm that's something that have I've noticed a lot actually being in my house for the last, you know, eighteen months, I think we're at, or maybe not quite, but um time, right? Like I'm I have my my conception of time has definitely been off for the last (laughs) probably only been just over a year but um but being at home I've noticed that my system is reacting prior to a lot of news and that was something that I had that before but I didn't know why it was reacting because I wasn't as present I wasn't as aware I wasn't as still so there's a lot happening between like with with what you were saying with like this kind of um nodes of connection that are happening, I think, all over the world that I am I notice in my physical body now that I didn't notice before in the same way. So that's been a fascinating, it's a fascinating awareness, new discoveries, right? Always new. <laughs> and
1: I, I feel like I'm going to say here something for the first time. Um, it's not going back to normal. Oh, no. Not going I'm back. never going back. You're not going back, but it's not going back either.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, people are going to try to track, well, I, I had a certain thing going on, and it may not be possible. So <laughs> it'll be an interesting moment of, of, you know, different people adapting to that in in, in different ways. Um, uh, do you actually do readings one-to-one with people?
0: I do, yeah. Is that something... But not very often.
1: So you're not really you know, looking for clients in that area?
0: I don't know. I do it more with my, so I run a program called Branding and Magic. So that's very business focused where I help wow. people to figure out their, their business stuff in very unique ways through guided visualization. They learn about their target client through, um, like we don't, they learn all the stuff they need to learn, but they learn it in very, it's like the, it's like the back door to the mind. We go in and then we, they get everything that they need without all of the traditional marketing babble. In that program, I do business readings. So my forte, I would say, because I have the, you know, I can help with the the reading side and then let's go right into consultation. So that part I really like. I don't enjoy doing readings, certain readings that are comp that, that come up a lot when you're just doing open tarot readings. People often ask about love or they often ask about health.
3: <laughs>
0: and I don't particularly, you know, I find it really hard to give the tough love. And I also find it when I was doing more of those styles of readings, you know, there's a there's the per, there's a lot of people that will come to a tarot reader because they want validation on the thing that they already want. Mm. And they love you if you give it to them. And if you just give them what what yeah. you see, they're not so it's, it's an interesting, it's, you know, great, honest tarot readers, their work is so, it's just so fantastic because they're able to get, you know, you're constantly needing to give people, not constantly, but, you know, depending on the question, sometimes you have to give people the, the answer that they don't always want. So I don't enjoy doing that.
1: So, you know, it might be the case that, um, well, I knew that I came to a definition of the devil. One point, because I just thought, like what are people talking about and i I said, "The devil is the one who tells you what you want to hear mm. and then definition of a teacher teacher is the one who tells you that which you don't want to hear
0: mm. that's great
1: Yeah, that's great and, and uh, i I hear you on that it would be very people would have to want to uh, you, you you know my teacher used to say to people Couple of different answers to certain things, but one of them was "good luck, sir." Good luck, madam. Mm-hmm. You, the person, if they're not coming to to um, have that kind of contact that you're talking about, um, most good teachers will just let it be, and that's hard because mm-hmm. most good teachers are also compassionate people. They would like to help somebody, you know, but and that generates all this kind of other things. So. I, that's the last little bit of what you said was very powerful. Um, I feel like it, it, I hope that you find when you listen to this, that, um, it's a window into your work and who you are for people. That's sort of what we're trying to to do here. And, um, you know, I'm going to talk to Patty about you because we have a mutual friend at Hay House who's one of my best friends and a dear friend. And, um, I hope that, uh, that's a fruitful relationship for you, uh, beyond just the kind of friendship and spiritual level, but you get what you want out of it, that you worked so hard to, to have happen. And, um, I want to really thank you for coming and spending this time together.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. And I, I am so, I've, it's been such an unexpected, you know, like you said, we were going to meander in conversation and we did, and I, I'm so grateful for that. It's really what, what a lovely conversation. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And I never know exactly what's going to happen in these, which is uh, they're a little bit of a jazz element, you know? (laughs) So thank you for going along on on, on the journey. And um, we will also, you know, be happy to tell, is there anything you want to let people know out there before we close?
0: You know what? I would just say, if you, you know, if you feel called to reach out to me, then feel free to reach out. I always like to hear from people. Um, I'm on Instagram quite a bit and my username there is Pixie Curio. <laughs> so, <they're, you> know, <laughs> so just, you know, slide into my DMS and let's have a chat. I love to, I oh, love so you're inviting
1: people. people to just connect with you that way.
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Chrisanne, you're, you're a delightful person and thank you so much for, uh, gracing. I'm going to use that word gracing our, uh, creativity, spirituality, and making a buck podcast and, uh, hope to see you again sometime.
0: Likewise.
2: Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode number 22 of the CSM podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it and that you gleaned some insight from it that you can bring back into your life. As always, if you like what you hear here, please subscribe and give us a rating on your favorite podcasting app. Also, If you're interested in studying with David and joining us in community, head over to dharmamoon.com for an up-to-date listing of our programming. Huge special thanks to our co-producer, Melissa Mattern, who is essential in all the ways. My name is Michael Cammers, co-producer and voiceover person, and this is like my 10th voiceover, so I'm doing it with my hands raised high in the air and slowly dancing. I hope the good vibes are coming through. So in conclusion, to play us out this week, we're going to share an Easter egg, an instrumental arrangement we did of one of David's songs entitled I'll Be a Gambler If You Deal the Cards. He played this with Jerry Garcia, Taj Mahal, and David Grisman in the Great American String Band. This one didn't make the cut as underscoring, so we'll let it see the light of day to take us home. It also features special musical guest Alex Brumel on guitar. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease.